Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you're here today. Praise God. Why don't you meet me today in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. We are going to honor God with our finances. Praise the Lord. And let me also say, as you're turning there, to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, I want to say thank you to all of those who made the pledge to sow the golden seed to support the pure gold television program that we have now going around the world on a weekly basis on many different channels, various networks, etc. But I want to say thank you because I know that there were those of you that pledged the $7,000 golden seed and you're endeavoring to get that in before the year is out. And I've seen some of you, I've watched some of you fulfill that commitment. And I want to say that means a lot to me. And I want you to be expecting God to give you truly a golden harvest. Praise God. And the rest of those that are also sowing the $77.77 a month for the television uh, pure gold program so that we can continue to reach multitudes with Jesus, uh, uh, for Jesus, Thank you as well for doing your part to fulfill your pledge of the $777. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful uh, to all of those that support this ministry, the tithers. Also, some of you, you have a, a home church somewhere else. You have a home ministry somewhere else that you connect with. And uh, so you tithe there, but you still love to come here and receive the, the nourishing teaching. And because of that, you enjoy sowing seed into this ministry. I thank God for you also. So I thank the Lord for everybody that is supporting in whatever measure God has called you to uh, of supporting this ministry so that we can continue to increase and exalt the name of Jesus Christ and his teachings around the world. You know, Jesus said that my teachings are as if a man built his house upon a rock. And so that's what we're endeavoring to do from this pulpit to build good foundations in the lives of believers so that they can take the teachings of God's word and apply it to their lives. And of course, the storms come, the winds blow, the, the rain comes and beat against the house, but it will not fall. So that's why it's so important that we hear the, God, uh, the word of God, but that we also send it out to others to build them up so that they can stand regardless of what trial or test would come against their life. Praise God. Isn't that good news to know that when your life is built on the rock of the word of God, your house cannot fall. Woo, praise God. We know the storms come, but it's very, very comforting and encouraging to know that our house will not fall. Praise God. Our lives are held together. Now, again, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions. So we need to honor the Lord with what he is blessing us with. You know, the, uh, the gifts and talents that we have and the power to get wealth and the, the generation of money and, and, and uh, uh, so forth. We need to honor God because he gives us our very breath, our strength, etc. We thank God for all of that. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So when there's honor in our financial uh, 
protocol. When there's honor to the Lord with our finances, then that's when we get into the place where our barns are filled with plenty. And then also the Lord takes us into the area of overflow, which is very exciting. Uh, the area where our vats will overflow with new wine. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let me speak just for a moment about first fruits. And while some ministers say that the first fruit is the tithe, Technically, it's not, but I know the point that they're trying to make, so we're not going to argue, uh, you know, uh, the fine point. But let me, do, let me say this briefly. Uh, in the ancient culture of Israel, primarily their life revolved around agriculture, and so you would grow crops, and, you know, they, they, they would be um, growing crops that were fitting for the region of the world in which they live. You know, if you're in South America, uh, they, they're going to grow corn. That's the staple crop. If you're in Asia, they're going to grow uh, rice. Here in uh, the western part of the world, it's mainly wheat. It's bread. But in Israel, they have, they have wheat, but they also have barley. They have their grapes. They have uh, olives, etc. They had, they had their thing going on. So their world revolved around agriculture. And what would take place is that you would have the, you would have the spring harvest and then you would have the fall harvest. And the fall harvest was the big one, the one you would really get excited about. That's the one really where uh, you, you would get the wheat harvest. You would also get the grape harvest. Now, earlier in the year, you would have the barley. You'd have some other things. But regardless, uh, when it's time to reap your harvest and the crops are ready and you, you start to reap them, let's say wheat, for example, you, you have your whole wheat harvest and it's ready to be brought in. Well, what they would do is they would go out into the field and they would just grab some handfuls and they would take the handfuls and bring that to the temple, give it to the priest. What is that? That technically is a first fruit offering. Well, Pastor Stephen, why didn't they just bring the tithe in? Because it takes a while. <laughs> and especially if you have various fields and you have, you have other crops that are coming in at the same time, it takes a while to get all of that harvest it, and then you have to separate it, and you have to divide it, and, and, and you know, you have to tabulate, okay, this is 10%, here's the 90, and okay, now we have this also coming in, and so you can't, you can't do all of that in one day. It takes a while to get all that organized, but what they would do first, the moment they start to harvest, they're going to at least grab some of it and get it to the priest. What is that? First fruit offering. Now, let me say this with the tithe. The tithe is, is 10% of the gross of any increase that comes into your life, whether it's off of the monies that you have earned during the week, or whether it's off an inheritance that you receive, or somebody walks up and gives you a thousand dollars, 10% belongs to the Lord. So from the principle of the first fruit, we understand that you honor God with your finances first. Now, after you've honored the Lord, if you want to go shopping or you want to buy groceries or you want to pay some bills, God bless your heart, do as you need to do. But what we're seeing here, though, in Scripture is the emphasis, put God first with your money. In other words, when you get your paycheck, uh, you know, take the tithe out first and honor the Lord first. And then with the 90%, go to work and do what you need to do. Praise God. Now there all, will always be some, and there always is, 
who say, well, Pastor Stephen, I can't give God 10% because I don't have enough money, because I'm not going to be able to pay bills and all these various things that they have going on. I've been there. I know exactly what that's like. All I can say concerning these types of things is that eventually you want to start living your life by biblical principles, not flying by the seat of your pants. I would suggest to many, it's not the case of everybody, there can be some other variables involved, but for many that they say they can't tithe because they don't have enough, the reason you don't have enough is because you're not tithing. <laughs> so they'll put everybody else first, and if there's anything left for God, maybe they'll give God a little little slice of bacon uh, or whatever it might be. Of course, God doesn't eat bacon, but you understand what I'm saying. My friends, it's that if you put God last, this whole thing of honor is out the window. Woo! And the prophet Samuel laid it out in one of his incredible statements to Saul, to King Saul. He said, those that, the, that honor the Lord, the Lord honors them. But those that lightly esteem God, in other words, thank God and His ways and His commandments are not very important, God treats you the same way, with little regard, little respect, little interest uh, into the, the affairs of your life and stuff like that. Why? Because that's the way they treat Him. Woo! These are amazing principles. So let's govern our lives by principles. Let's follow them. And what they do is they produce a supernatural lift that works for you and causes you to have your barns full and your vats overflowing with the new wine. But again, this is rotating around the system of honor. Honor God first with your finances. Praise God. Lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody today that has a great fervency in their heart to honor you with their finances, not just with their lips, but with their finances. And I thank you, Father, that as you're bringing the tithe in, which is holy, which belongs to you, and as you're bringing the offering in that you would place upon their heart, I thank you, Father, let them really know that reality of barns that are full and let them know that's overflowing with new wine, not just the anointing, not just your presence, but financial provision to be a blessing to others. I thank you, Father God, for overflow, for overflow, so that they will always have something to give. Now, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when I grew up in church, and every Sunday morning as a young child, I would watch uh, one of the deacons or an elder receive the, the giving for uh, the Sunday morning. They called it the contribution. And the, the deacon or the elder would always pray a prayer like this, Lord, bless those who give, and Lord, those who have nothing to give, bless them too. <laughs> and, you know, I would think, no, hold on a minute. What's the use of even giving then if God's going to bless the, the one that doesn't give just as much as the person who is giving? <laughs> and so, you know, me and my brothers, we would hear these prayers when we were young boys. And, you know, and then as we got older, you know, the, uh, the preacher would ask us to assist in the church, assist with maybe song leading, assist at the Lord's table, and sometimes even assist in receiving the contribution. And what would we pray? The same prayers that we heard those deacons and elders pray for years and years, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and over and over. And so we picked all of that up. Lord, bless 
blessed those who have given. And Lord, those who have nothing and are not able to give anything, bless them too. In other words, like it's just all equal. Whatever you can do, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but if it's all equal, why even give? But it's not. It's not. See, there's no honor. There's no, there was no understanding of kingdom honor and uh, that type of uh, mindset. But we grow and we learn and we thank God for grace. We thank God for the Holy Spirit who brings illumination in these areas. Wow. You may wonder, Pastor Stephen, why often do you teach on the subject of wisdom? Because I used to be so stupid. <laughs> That's just the truth. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo. Amen. But we're walking in the light now. All right. Let's honor the Lord. For those of you that prefer to mail your tithes and offerings in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, the zip code 28654. For those of you that you feel more convenient of the uh, ability to go online and bring it in uh, electronically, you can do so safe and secure at the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There on the homepage is a link, has a red heart. It says give. You can click that and your holy tithe can come right into the Lord's storehouse. Praise God. Also, we have an orange banner that says projects. And if you want to sow special seed, give a special offering, you can look at the various projects and uh, you can sow into one of those, take your pick or all three of them. Praise God. Hallelujah. And thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord in your finances and for your understanding of honor to the Lord in finances. Woo! Praise God. Mm -mm. All of these things with honor. I've seen people during the offering. I've seen them pull out like a dollar bill and crumple it up. Squish it. Squish it like it's a bug. Squish it down to like it's just like garbage and throw it in the offering when the plate goes by. Where's the honor in that? Or, or let's say you have 10 $10 bills, the offering basket comes around and you have some of the $10 bills or brand new currency. The, the, they were just printed and they're, they're so crisp and new. But when the offering basket comes around, the person who doesn't understand honor says, well, I think, I think I'll give $10. I'm going to make the angels jump up and down today. But he pulls out the old $10 bill that's ragged, wore out and got the dog ear tears on it and all messed up. They pull that one out and put that one in the offering basket. No, no, no. Everything. Give God your best. Everything. All of these things matter. Remember, uh, your lifting is not in a sense automatic. It is a package deal where we have to pull these areas of our life together. And as they begin to synchronize and the Lord sees it. Oh, they're really, they're serious. They're, they're walking in the light of my word. Now I tell you what your lifting is assured. Praise God. You are blessed today in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Now let's take our Bibles today and go over to first Corinthians chapter 12. I feel in my spirit. I have a lot of, uh, uh, things I would like to share with you today. I'm going to try not to get bogged down. I want to do a brief overview on the nine gifts of the Holy spirit, but I want us 
to look at one gift today, which is the gift of special faith, because I sense in my heart that the Holy Spirit wants many of you to experience this manifestation in your life. And if you never have, I want to talk to you with you today about what it is and how you can have it activated in your life and how you can receive this beautiful gift in your life manifested by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Before we jump into the message, let me also say that we have the Best of Israel Tour with myself and my wife going to Israel May 7 through the 17th, 2023. We're going. I would love for you to come along with us. It is going to be a great time. My wife worked with the tour company to select the best of the best hotels, to select the best of the best itinerary. I think. I think this could be the trip of the lifetime for many of you. I really want you to pray about going. Husbands, uh, tell your wife, you, uh, you, we need to go. Wife, tell your husband, hey, let's catch that trip. We need a, va- we need a vacation anyhow. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Skip uh, Disney World. Uh, skip uh, all the theme parks in uh, California. Let's go to the Holy Land together. Mm-mm. You'll be blessed. Hallelujah. I know you'll be blessed. Praise God. All right. That information is at the website. Get signed up. It only costs $300 to get registered. Get your name on the list. And uh, they'll ask for your passport information, things like that. And uh, get ready to go. It's going to be tremendous. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, let your Holy Spirit come today with illumination of the gifts of the Spirit. Oh God, let your Holy Spirit cause a release of hunger through the understanding of the beauty and power of these gifts so that we might have a burning desire to see the gifts that you have for us manifest. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. And you know, I think there's something very, very important about the gifts of the Holy spirit. I have heard some preachers in a sense, present the gifts in a way that they are grace gifts and they all that they they are that's what if you look at it the uh, the charismata or the charismatic gifts that word implies in the greek that they're not earned it's it's by grace but at the same time paul said to eagerly desire spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy so along with the grace we have to balance it. So it's not just, well, if God wants me to have it, here I am. He knows where I'm at. He knows my address. Well, that's true. But you also want to fulfill the other part of this teaching along the subject material of the gifts of the Spirit of desiring them with a burning, fiery passion. Praise God. And, and the Lord, he, he needs to see that. He needs to see that hunger, and he'll recognize that. And then the Holy Spirit will release into your life the gifts that He desires for you to experience. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present... Oops, I'm in Romans chapter 12. I'm close, but that's the wrong book. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Again... This area of spiritual gifts is one area that the Apostle Paul, writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wants us to be informed, to be aware of this subject material. But 
what I have found that within the body of Christ, the one area where Paul says, make sure you know about this happens to be an area where there seems to be a tremendous lack of understanding of the spiritual gifts. Now, one of the main causes of this misunderstanding is a teaching that tries to explain the nine gifts of the spirit from an intellectual perspective. In other words, I've heard ministers teach that uh, the gift of the word of wisdom is the, is the gift of wisdom. And if you have the gift of wisdom, then you're under, you're able to understand the Bible really, really well. Well, that's not at all <laughs> what that is. And then I've heard them teach on the gift of the word of knowledge. And they'll say, now the gift of knowledge is a gift that God gives to a select few to be able to memorize scripture and to be able to explain things about the Bible. And, uh, you know, you hear all these different uh, uh, attempts to explain the gifts, but they're, they're completely missing it. And... Uh, I've, I've heard some of the teachings uh, just out of curiosity, like how did they try to explain this? But anytime you don't realize that all nine of them are supernatural, you'll, you're off on the wrong foot already. Now, Pastor Stephen, the gift of discerning of spirits is the gift of discernment. It, it, it gives us the ability to really kind of just know what's going on. No, no, that's crazy. <laughs> that's not at all what that is. It's the, it's not, there is no such thing as the gift of discernment. The Bible calls it the gift of discerning of spirits. So I want us to kind of just scan through these gifts very quickly as we're going to move to one particular one today because we need to know what they are. And I believe that the better that you, un, the better you understand them, the easier, the more fluent they can flow through you and operate in your life. So again, let me say that all nine of them are supernatural. And if you ever try to define them by pulling them out of that supernatural bracket and bringing them down to like some kind of philosophical or intellectual explanation, it's already going down the wrong path. Keep them in their proper category, which is all nine of them are supernatural. Praise the Lord. Now, what you'll also notice with these nine gifts is that when the Holy Spirit manifests in different types of situations, you can have more than one gift that is involved. For, for example, the raising of the dead. Well, the raising of the dead is definitely going to require special faith. You cannot, in a natural condition, look at a dead body and, and just think, well, I'm going to bring that back to life. No, you can't do that. You are looking at death, and you can't, you can't, that's a realm you can't touch without special faith. So you're going to need special faith, but then again, you're going to need the gift of working of miracles, which is that divine power that, that can deal with something like that. But then again, something killed the person in the first place. Maybe they died of cancer or whatever. So you can actually have all three working together, which would add on also the gift of healing in the area of what caused the condition in the first place. Wow. Praise God. So I've seen many of the gifts overlap. It's like trying to grab a barbell uh, and you reach down to grab it. Uh, even if it's light, you don't really use one finger. You just, you're going to use your hand. And so you grab it, pick it up. So you have these various fingers that are all involved in the process. And, and uh, that's why sometimes it can be interesting trying to define 
something miraculous that just happened because you're trying to think now what was that was that the working of miracles well yes it was but also it had this attached to it as well and so you can see sometimes that multiple gifts are manifesting in that one singular situation and that would be by the power of the Holy Spirit praise God all right let's move quickly today for the sake of time verse 7 but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now I love good preaching. I love good teaching. I know you do as well, but we do have to be honest that if that's all we had, good preaching, good teaching, eventually we're going to run a little bit dry, maybe a whole lot dry because we're going to realize we're missing something. That's why we want to always give the Holy spirit opportunity to manifest. Now there is an anointing to preach. Even Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now that's an anointing to preach the gospel. So one of the primary usages of the anointing is for preaching, proclaiming the gospel. But my friends, along with the preaching and the great teaching, which is teaching is explaining the gospel. Then we also need to give the Holy spirit opportunity to move. What can happen particularly to ministers is that we as ministers can become very comfortable uh, behind a pulpit and we can get comfortable with preaching, uh, expository teaching, and we can be happy about that. And that's all good. That that's the meat and potatoes of the ministry in a sense. But if we never step out in faith and allow the Holy spirit to move, then the, the Holy spirit, he works through the person that's in charge. And if the person in charge is wanting to shut all of that down, then it's going to uh, cause the Holy spirit not to have the Liberty that he needs to flow. Wow. Praise God. So let's, let's um, do what the apostle Paul said. He said, let all things be done decently and in order. And I understand that anytime a pastor opens up their church to the move of the Holy spirit, you're, you're dealing with fire. In other words, it's a beautiful thing, but you're always going to have some weird influences that are going to try to distort it, disrupt it, or misrepresent it. And you have to be able to deal with those things and know how to um, keep it flowing in the right direction. Praise God. But my friends, the, the benefits far outweigh any risk that would be associated with allowing the Holy Spirit to move. Praise God. So let's let the Holy Spirit move. See, some churches have focused on the phrase, we want, we want things decently and in order. And I, that's good. That's biblical. But Paul said, let all things be done decently and in order. So let's also have the gifts in operation. And yes, let's have them decently and in order where there's the proper structure. We don't want a zoo. Okay. We're not animals. <laughs> if we want a zoo, we can go downtown and we can watch the monkeys uh, do their thing. They get a little crazy sometimes. Amen. But we want the church to have uh, that element of dignity and honor. And, but we still want the Holy spirit to move praise God. So you have to have a good understanding of the gifts and be able to flow with that moving of the Holy spirit. So the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Then the apostle Paul jumps into the nine gifts of the spirit. Now let me, let me skip on down the ladder to some of the gifts that are, that are mentioned a little further along. I actually want to start today in verse 10 with the gift of prophecy. 
Okay. Now I want to mention, and I'm just giving a quick overview as we're moving to a particular gift that I want to highlight today. The gift of prophecy, I want to talk about uh, for a moment because out of the nine gifts, I have seen over the years that out of the nine, the easiest one to get up and running in your life is the gift of prophecy. And Paul said, I desire, I desire that you may all prophesy. Praise God. And so God wants every believer to prophesy. That does not mean that every believer is called into the full-time ministry office of a prophet. That is a completely different uh, scenario that uh, is uh, a, it's much more than just a singular gift of prophecy. But any believer can prophesy. What does it mean uh, to prophesy? Well, the, the Hebrew word for prophesy simply means to bubble up or to spring up like a brook or bubbling brook springing up on the inside of you to let it bubble up and then to speak forth the language or the message that God has given you. Praise God. And you get it by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Just something's coming up. Ooh, and you get it and you speak it forth. Praise God. The simple gift of prophecy according to the Apostle Paul, does three things. It is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. To edify means that when people hear it, that prophecy will build them up, it will strengthen them, it, will, um, it just infuses them with strength. Okay, so there's edification. There's also exhortation. It brings a supernatural element of encouragement into their life. Instead of throwing in the towel and thinking, you know, I just think I'm going to not do this anymore. They hear the prophecy, and the next thing you know, there's new wind in their sails. Praise God. And it also brings comfort. It brings a soothing comfort. And I've had uh, people prophesy to me before, not knowing anything about certain situations going on in my life. I remember even uh, 30 years back, I had some people uh, at various times prophesy over me, and it just brought such soothing all over me. It was like they opened my mouth and poured a bottle of Pepto-Bismol inside of me. I mean, I was before that troubled and concerned, and somebody would would come up with a very simple gift of prophecy, begin to speak things from the Lord by it bubbling up from inside of them, and they shared it with me, and it brought such comfort that I was able to leave that moment afterwards in complete peace, knowing everything's going to be all right. Praise God. And prophecy is such a beautiful, beautiful gift. Now, prophecy also can be developed and can go much further in the prophet's office. If a man or woman is called into the ministry office of the prophet, or if it's a woman, a prophetess, then that person will have two out of the three revelation gifts operating in their ministry plus the gift of prophecy. So with the prophet's ministry, the gift goes much deeper. And with the prophet, oftentimes when a, uh, a man or woman of God who is a prophet begins to declare and, and begins to prophesy, then it's not 
just a simple gift of prophecy. It will have other things in it. It could have a word of wisdom mixed into it. It will have uh, words of knowledge mixed into it. And the prophetic gift itself will also begin to look forward into the future and will begin to proclaim things that God is unveiling. Out of all the gifts, the gift of prophecy has such a supernatural way when you prophesy to somebody with a strong prophetic anointing of unveiling their destiny to them. I mean, it's ecstatic. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo. Amen. I was in a meeting one time in an international prophet. Uh, this was only maybe like uh, four years ago. He prophesied to me, never had met me before, never saw me before. He told me who my spiritual father was. He told me who my pastor was at that time. He told me all the, he starts calling out words of knowledge. I mean, uh, it was incredible. And, and then begins to bring in the, the, the prophet's ministry of seeing into my future and begins to call that out as well. Glory to God. Very, very exciting. You know, one of the things I would say about prophetic ministry with my life is that over the years, people email me back and they say, you know, Pastor Stephen, I really do uh, thank the Lord for you because you gave me a prophecy and it came to pass. And for me, I think that's one of the most comforting things in that area of the gift of prophecy. Now, I know that when it comes to prophecy, uh, I'm not the only one responsible. I can share it, but all prophecies are conditional in the sense that they need to have faith applied to them for their fulfillment. There can be a few sovereign prophecy, uh, prophecies that are out there. Jesus said, I'm coming back. <laughs> And he's going to come back, <laughs> and that's sovereign. Nobody's going to be able to stop it. Uh, that's, that's going to be sovereign. But outside of that, the other types of prophecies are conditional in the sense that a person has to connect with it, believe it, wage a good warfare with it, and thus do their part. But it is very, very uh, pleasing in my heart when people email me and say, Pastor Stephen, two years ago or five years ago or ten years ago, you prophesied this, and everything that you said has now been fulfilled and, and has come to pass. Praise God. What does that mean? Well, it means it's time for another prophecy. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Amen. These things, my friends, um, can really just catch you on fire. The gift of prophecy is absolutely beautiful. Amen. So that's one that you really want to uh, get stirred up. Get it online. Well, Pastor Stephen, how do you do that? Uh, you need to have a couple things in order in your life. Number one, you have to be uh, saved. Okay. These gifts are for the believers They're not for the sinners. Okay. These are for the believers. So number one, you have to be born again. And number two, you have to be filled with the Holy spirit and the evidence of the baptism in the Holy spirit is speaking in tongues. Praise God. So you want to get baptized in the Holy spirit. And when you are immersed in the spirit, now you're in a place where these gifts can begin to flow. So you need to be willing, able, available, and hungry. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now for me, I would call it in a sense activation because I had hands laid on me by prophets and I, I was around them and what was on them got on me and got on me even stronger when they laid hands on me. And I remember one, uh, 
one Sunday morning I ministered at a church and prophesied over pe some people in the meeting. And then uh, after the service, that part of the service was over, uh, the pastor, she was a lady. Her husband also was a co-pastor, but she was the main pastor. She said, now, Brother Stephen, she said, go down the hallway, go into that room. There's some people already in that room and they're waiting for you. I've already told them that you're going to come in, into the room and prophesy over them. So head on down the hallway and do your thing. I said, praise God, I'm on the way, amen. I was walking down that hallway real comfortable, feeling, real, uh, feeling like John Wayne in the Holy Spirit. I thought there was maybe four or five people in that room. And I opened up the door and walked into the room, and there's 200 people in the room, <laughs> all waiting for me to show up and flow in the gift, amen. So a lot of this was pulled out of me. A lot of it was like taking a person and throwing them into the deep end of the pool and saying, swim. <laughs> Well, once you learn to swim, uh, you, you, you know how to swim. It's like riding a bike. Once you learn how to ride a bike, you don't forget. Praise God. So that this is a gift that uh, you yield to the Holy Spirit. You sense that bubbling up. You sense that bubbling up. You sense you've got something for somebody, and you want to share it. Amen. Well, that's prophecy. Amen. And that's how it begins. You release the prophetic word. Praise God. Now, of course, in church settings or in uh, church gatherings, conventions, or whatever, conferences, whatever it might be, remember that all things be done decently and in order. So understand there's protocol. Also understand this for those of you that like to move in the spirit, understand this from a pastor's heart or the heart of a person hosting a conference, they're, they're, they want things to run smooth. They're, some people can be, some leaders can be very wary of spiritual gifts because they see people sometimes go wild to try to hijack a meeting or take over a meeting or pull attention over to them. So understand how pastors often have to deal with that, be sensitive to that. And uh, if there is freedom, where you don't have as many checks and procedures, oftentimes you can just stand up and go for it. When I was um, in my 20s, there was a woman in the church who was a prophetess, very, very anointed. So anytime that the Holy Spirit moved on her, she already had a green light from the pastor. And so the pastor and the, all the elders knew if she's got something ever, just let her stand up and do her thing because it would always bless every single person in the assembly. It was beautiful to watch it. But see, she was rock solid, and they knew her. So whenever she would prophesy, uh, it was just always right on target, always good. But, you know, th that's why you want to understand this, learn these types of things, these dynamics, so that all things are done decently and in order. Praise the Lord. By the way, one of the best ways to established prophecy in the church is for the leader to raise up a prophetic team, have an elder or an associate pastor oversee that team, train and equip that team, maybe eight or 10 uh, people, whoever they are that want to want to get going in this. Okay. Get them activated, get them trained, get them taught. And then uh, when you have those that would like to see prophetic ministry say, well, there's the team. Okay. And then uh, the team exercises the gift while those that are more senior and skilled in the anointing watch over those that are younger as they operate, keeping everything on course, keeping everything going in the right direction. Praise the Lord. But my friends, that's just one gift. Let's move very quickly forward today to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, let me mention uh, very briefly the gift of discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. What is this gift? Well, for, uh, 
For a while, we have focused on one aspect of this gift, which is the ability to see into the spirit realm. And that is correct. But it's actually more than that. Because in the natural realm, we have the ability to see, hear, taste, touch, smell. But my friends, in the spirit realm, you, you can have that same ability through discerning of spirits. Now, discerning of spirits is the ability to discern human spirits, motives. It's fascinating. And it allows you to see, hear, taste, touch, or smell in the realm of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. When that gift is turned on and that gift, gift is operating in you, it's almost like you're like an x-ray scanner. That's why Paul was able to look at Elimus, the sorcerer, and say, you son of the devil, you are full of wickedness and iniquity. And Paul dealt with that situation. Why? He saw through discerning the spirits, the spirit that man was operating in. And that man was completely corrupt. And no doubt in the natural, he probably looked pretty dignified. He probably could talk really well, probably looked like he had his act together, but he was as crooked as crooked could be. You had the same thing when Peter dealt with Simon, who had previously been a sorcerer, and he's around the apostles, and the apostles are operating in miracles, signs, and wonders, and uh, Simon comes up the, to Peter and says, hey, uh, wow, this is amazing what you guys are doing. Uh, look, I'd really like to have this power too. Um, and he pulls out a big wad of money. Uh, how much money does it cost? I want to buy into what you're able to do. Uh, how much do I, well, you need $100,000? What's the price tag? And Peter said, your money pairs with you. You're bound in iniquity. In other words, you're completely bound and locked down with these evil spirits. And why? What's going on? Paul, discerning the spirits. Peter, looking at that man, discerning the spirits, able instantly to see this man is operating under evil powers. Mm, 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 mm. And when that spirit is operating on you, discerning the spirits, and it's in operation, you can see right through any liar. Oh, they could cloak everything with vestiges of truth and holiness and purity. But if they're lying and you're in the spirit and that gift is manifesting, you can see right through them and you know it's just nothing but a filthy, dirty, stinking lie. No matter, no matter how beautiful they try to cloak it. It's incredible. I tell you, this is a gift in the last days that... I would almost say, and sometimes it it's almost needs to be like essential. Did you know that truth has a smell and that a lie also in the spirit realm has a smell? Truth in the spirit realm smells like peppermint and a lie stinks. Everything about the devil stinks in the spirit realm. Now in the natural, the devil's really good with trying to beautify everything. Remember, he can come as an angel of light. He can present it, make it smell, look, and appear beautiful. But in the spirit realm, it's still filth. Mm -mm. So when that gift of deserting the spirits is operating on you, you can either see in the spirit realm or hear in the realm of the spirit or sometimes taste, okay, or touch, even smell in the realm of the spirit. How's that? How does that happen? By the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And when that gift is turned on, man, you, you, you cut through lies. You, you, truth stands pure. Oh, what a gift. What a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. You should be very, very aware when this gift begins to manifest and something stinks like the smell of sulfur or something evil or bad. Pastor Stephen, is that horrible smell? Is that, is that something bad? Yes, it's something bad. <laughs> it's, it's bad, all right. <laughs> Woo. Have you ever seen a, sh a shark? How big their nose is? Their nose is like this big, and it's full of all of this sensory equipment that God built and designed into a shark. They're basically the garbage trucks of the ocean. But in the ocean, the moment a drop of blood hits the water, a shark has sensory uh, things in his nose that can pick that blood up from five miles away. What does he do, Pastor Stephen, when he detects it? Oh, he starts heading over there. That's his thing. Time to eat. Amen. So you have to understand this in your walk with the Lord. What can attract? See, if you're practicing sin and you're doing dirty, nasty things in secret, don't think that the enemy can't see that in the spirit realm. That draws Garbage, okay, and also angels. Angels are uh, they like being around the camp of the saints. Hallelujah, glory to God, amen. So, all this is wide open in the realm of the Holy Spirit, and that's what that gift does. Praise the Lord! And it operated particularly strong in the lives of the prophets, such as Elijah, also Elisha. Um, perhaps in the ministry of Elisha more than anybody else in the Old Testament. Praise God. But of course, Jesus had it operating in his ministry as well. And we see that from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 3, where it says that he will be made of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. The phrase quick understanding, some, transla some translations say he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Well, delight or Quick understanding, KJV, King James Version, that basically means to breathe and smell. By breathing in and out of the nose, what you could smell. So there was a long running tradition among the rabbis who understood that whoever this Messiah is, whenever he shows up, he will have the ability to judge, not by sight, not by hearing, by but by what he smells, because he can walk in the fear of the Lord and discern between right and wrong, even by what he smells. Praise God. Mm -mm. And there are stories uh, throughout the centuries, Jewish uh, stories of those uh, certain individuals that sometimes the leaders thought, well, maybe this guy could be the Messiah, but th they could never pass the smelling test. <laughs> but Jesus could. Because he could operate in all of these gifts. Now, you'll also see that under the Old Testament, they had all of the gifts of the Spirit except for two. What were they? Think about it just for a moment. What do we have? Well, we have two more that they had seven in the Old, but in the New Covenant, we have nine. Okay? Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Praise God. So we've got that also added in the new covenant, but in the old covenant, they had all seven and they were running uh, full speed, all of them in the old Testament. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So discerning the spirits, um, a tremendous gift, very, very needful in these end times in a culture, a society filled with lies, filled with garbage. Amen. Hallelujah. Now to another different kinds of tongues. What is the gift of tongues? It's different than the personal tongue that you speak in when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That tongue is for your 
personal edification and building up. This tongue that's mentioned here is for usage in a public assembly of believers. So it is the utterance of an un, uh, of a language, but it's coming forth in an unknown tongue. Okay, so what does that mean? It means it requires an interpreter. So we have different kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, while I have spoken in the gift of tongues for a public assembly, my stronger anointing in that area is the gift of interpretation. And when somebody speaks forth a message that's in tongues, and you know, let's say you have 400 or 500 people in the meeting, somebody stands up and gives that message in tongues. Well, nobody knows what it means because it has to be interpreted. But the interpretation, that's something that the Holy Spirit has given me that gift where I can understand the message that was just spoken in that language. And then I can, I can interpret that to the people. So that would require me of standing up and basically interpreting what that person just said. Praise God. And those, those two gifts are very, very powerful. Let me say this about tongues and the interpretation of tongues. It can strike a holy terror into the heart of sinners who don't know Christ. And when they're sitting in a meeting like that, maybe they were invited to a, a church meeting or something like that, and they hear tongues. Trust me, they've never heard anything like that ever at a football game. They've never heard anything like that at a basketball, baseball game. They've never heard anybody speaking powerful tongues like that ever at a bar or saloon. And when they hear somebody stand up with an electrifying message in tongues, and then somebody else stands up and interprets it, it Wow, they're like, whoa, wow, this is, God's among you people. Mm -mm. It's very, very beautiful. So uh, the end result is very similar to that of prophecy. We are built up and we are made strong in the Lord and God's word is brought forth with a very clear understanding. All right. Now those, uh, some of these things we've just covered, um, are in various categories. You have the revelation gifts, which are, in other words, these are gifts that reveal something word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. See, it's revealing something supernaturally that we don't know unless God show it to us or unveil it to us through smell, sight, hearing or, ta or taste, whatever it might be. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory, glory to God. And then you have the power gifts. They are the power gifts. There's three of them because they do something. And that would be special faith, working of miracles, gifts of healings. Praise the Lord. So we have revelation gifts, and then we have power gifts, and finally we have the three vocal gifts. They are the three gifts that say something. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Praise the Lord. This is a crash course today. I'm doing an overview as we're heading towards a particular topic. Praise God. Now, uh, verse 8, to, for, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. What is the gift of the word of wisdom? In the mind of God is all wisdom. All of the wisdom on earth, all of the wisdom in the universe, all of the wisdom in heaven, all of the wisdom everywhere is in his mind right now. And he can take one word and by a word, what that implies is that it can, in some cases, literally it can be one word or it could be maybe a sentence, maybe two sentences or at the most, maybe like a mini, mini paragraph, but it's never a book. 
God doesn't throw a whole book of wisdom at you. God doesn't hurl sets of encyclopedias at you and say, now be filled with the gift of wisdom. No, that's, that doesn't exist. This is the word of wisdom. It's supernatural. And one word of wisdom can radically alter your situation. You may be stuck between a rock and a hard place. You think there's no way out. Well, trust me with God, um, there's a way out. I would even say today that if you're facing various problems, that really what you're facing um, is a wisdom deficit. And one supernatural word of wisdom can get you out of any situation. By the way, that's why it's listed first. It is the greatest gift considered by many ministers across the board. Out of all nine, it's the greatest one. That's why it's listed first. Praise God. Now, they're all good. And there is that, you know, the, the truth of which one is best. Well, the one that you need at the moment. But if you're just having a nice day and everything's great and there's nine of them on the shelf and the Lord says, well, pick one. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Grab the word of wisdom because it is a complete game changer in your life. Now, God can give one word of wisdom. He can speak it to you, share it with you, and it is the unveiling of His perfect will and plan for your life. And it will speak towards your future. And if you will only do what He told you to do with that word of wisdom, because there will be an instruction attached to it, if you will simply do it, it will work for you every single time. Now, in these areas, we must be very, very careful that we never try to fabricate something or say, oh, God told me this, because we get a lot of that today, right? Oh, God said this. Well, I sure hope so, because if you're going to do it, if God said it, it'll work. But if you're just trying to act spiritual and impress all of us, and God didn't really say that, you're going to go out there and you're going to crash and burn. So we have to be very, very careful about these things. We want to enjoy the Holy Spirit. But when you truly get a supernatural word of wisdom, oh, run with it, run with it. It'll always work for you. I think for me, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is uh, in the life of Jesus, Matthew chapter 17. And again, the word of wisdom operating throughout the Old Testament many, many times, countless times, really. It would take, I, I could teach for hours just on that subject, looking at all the verses where, that were supernatural words of wisdom. But here's a really good one, Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. And please excuse me today for talking so fast. I'm just trying to cover some uh, of this material quickly because it's so deep. Uh, it wasn't uh, just a few months ago. I taught on the gifts of the Holy Spirit through a, a, a wonderful door that opened to me to minister to the underground church in China. So I taught for 10 hours. <laughs> so I'm trying, I'm trying to go very, very quickly over a lot of uh, really juicy material. Matthew 17, verse 24, when they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes from their sons or from strangers? Verse 27, nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea. Remember, Jesus is giving a word of wisdom now. A supernatural instruction of the future of something that Peter needs to go step into. See, it's out ahead of him. It's, a, it's you know, it's not right happening at that moment. It's not something past or present. This is something that's right in front of you that you need to go do. 
So uh, he's talking to a former professional fisherman. He says, nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook. See, there's no mention of putting bait on the hook or anything like that. And take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened this mouth, you will find a piece of money. Well, take that and give it to them for me and you. There's no telling how many thousands and thousands of fish Peter had previously caught before that during his many fishing expeditions. And I doubt if he ever caught a fish ever that had enough money in its mouth uh, for him to do anything with, much less go pay the taxes with. But my friends, he obeyed that supernatural word of wisdom and went, did what Jesus said. Oh, pulls the fish up. He caught it, pulls it up. And there's a coin, a double drachma, which is the exact amount needed to pay the tax for two people. And he pays the Lord's first Remember, honor, he pays the Lord's first, and then he pays his. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, how did you know that's supernatural? I can prove it to you. Go, go interview a million people. Uh, go out and do a survey. Conduct a study. Raise a whole bunch of money and do a study. And interview about a million people. And ask them, have you ever paid your taxes uh, from money that you found in the mouth of a fish? And then uh, after you've done the survey, uh, boil all the data down and then present it to us. And I think you would find that nobody has ever paid their taxes by going on a fishing trip and pulling money out of a fish's mouth, much less enough to pay a certain type of tax. Praise God. Which also brings us to this point. You can never take somebody else's word of wisdom that God spoke to them and think, oh, I like that. I'll do that too. You can't hijack somebody else's word of wisdom. You can't take somebody else's word of wisdom. That's what God told them to do. It won't work for you if you try to do it also, unless God also tells you to do the same thing. That's why we have to be careful about these things. Well, Pastor Steve, I got a big tax bill coming up. I'm going to go fishing. Hey, look, Jesus told Peter to do that. But unless he told you to do that, I would look for another way to get that tax bill paid. See, Jesus operated as a man, just like you and I have to do. And sometimes people say, well, the reason Jesus could do that because he was God. Well, hold on just a moment. <laughs> Satan, when he overthrew Adam and tricked Adam, he defeated Adam, who was a man. Now, Satan has taken that authority and dominion and that influence, and it's his. Okay, so if somebody's going to win it back from the devil, who now has it, they're going to have to win it back as a man, not as God. So although Jesus was God and man, that tremendous God power, he laid it down. And he didn't operate with it. So he's functioning as a man who is completely reliant upon the Holy Spirit, just like you and I are. And so the Holy Spirit gave Jesus a word of wisdom. Jesus heard it and said, Peter, time for you to go fishing. Don't need any bait. Grab your pole. Go down to the water over here. Drop the hook in. Catch the fish. Pull it up. Uh, there's going to be a coin in its mouth. Go pay my tax first. Go pay yours. We're good to go. And it worked. It worked. It reminded me of a true story, certain Bible college some years back where uh, there was a young man at the Bible college. He had a used car and the Holy Spirit gave him a word of wisdom and said, give your car away and, and, and uh, highlighted a certain person to give it to. And he did that. And one week later, somebody just out of the blue gave him a brand new, beautiful car right off the showroom floor, gave it to him, title, everything, keys, all paid off, everything. He was ecstatic. 
He uh, went to chapel there at the Bible college and told everybody the great miracle that God had done for him. And boy, were the other students excited. Woo, were they, woo, he gave his car away. God gave him a new car. And they uh, got all excited. And there was a whole bunch of them that that day went out and just gave their car away. They gave their, they gave their cars away. What happened? They walked for the rest of the semester. Because God told him to do it, but he didn't tell them to do it. Woo, praise God. It is a word of wisdom. It is the unveiling of God's perfect plan for your life. And when you do it, it will always work for you. Praise God forever. Now, very, very quickly, let's continue to move on. We have next in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Let me get back over there. I keep wanting to jump over to Romans 12 for some reason. So let me put my bookmarker over here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's the word of wisdom. We also have now the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. What is the word of knowledge? My friends, again, in the mind of God, He has all knowledge. What is knowledge? Facts, data, information, how plants grow, how the sun shines, how the earth rotates, how the stars stay stationary. All this stuff is all in the mind of God. All this knowledge from how hair grows to how carpet is made. <laughs> God has all of it right here. Right here. So God can give you a word of knowledge. Not, 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 not the whole universal knowledge. Here, you're going to have a gift of knowledge. Whoop. You, that, that's not, uh, I, I mean, what, you, uh, Pastor Steve, I have the gift of knowledge. I'm a hundred times, a million times wiser than Einstein. No, that's not the gift of knowledge. Again, it's supernatural. He can take one word of knowledge from his mind, which he has, give it to you. What is uh, the word of knowledge? It is supernatural knowledge, information that is past or uh, present. And he can give that knowledge to you. And of course, again, there's many examples of this in the Bible. Sometimes with my wife, the Holy Spirit gives her uh, uh, supernatural word of knowledge. She'll get pe people's names. She doesn't know their name, but the Holy Spirit will tell her the name of certain people, and she's able to minister to them. In my ministry, oftentimes when I get around ministers, even if I don't know them, don't know anything about their ministry, the Holy Spirit will tell me the name of their ministry. And, uh, uh, and then oftentimes, of course, with the word of knowledge, it is a icebreaker. And when there is supernatural knowledge revealed, suddenly people are very, very attentive. They're like, well, God obviously knows about my life. What else does he have to say? And it is a, a breakthrough gift. We see it in a, one of the most beautiful ways in the life of Jesus. John uh, chapter 4, John chapter 4 and verse 15. This would be the story of the woman at the well. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. Now, up to this point, Jesus has been trying to engage her in conversation, but she's very defensive. She, in her mind, has a religious superiority. And she doesn't, uh, she's wrong. But you know what? When people have wrong uh, ideologies or wrong viewpoints, it's not like you can oftentimes win them intellectually. Even if you can like corner them like in the game of chess and say, look, I just proved you're wrong. It's not like people say, yeah, you're right. I'll tell you what, you're right. I'm going to switch over and I'm going to, I'm going to be just like you now. Uh, it, it often uh, very rarely works like that because people, people only know what they've been taught. 
And when they've been raised a certain way, like she was, then she thinks, well, we have the truth. And so Jesus is trying to share some things with her, but it's really not, uh, she's not catching it. So what happens while he's sitting there, the Holy Spirit gives Jesus a word of knowledge about her life. Not a whole book about her life, but gives her a word of knowledge and he begins to reveal to her things that only God knows about her life. Because remember, she's a complete stranger to him. And she, he, this is what happens. Jesus said, um, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, well, whoo, wow, I perceive you're a prophet. Well, she caught on real quick. Yeah, he's a prophet, all right. He's not only a prophet, he's the prophet. He's the great prophet that Moses said would be coming. Wow, praise God. Well, uh, Jesus revealed that to her. And by the time he's done ministering to her, basically saying he's the living water and sharing other things, she goes into the city and says, Come see a man who told me everything about my life. I believe that he ministered prophetically to her with words of knowledge where he not only revealed her past about the five husbands, but all, most likely also revealed other things about her life. And she was just overwhelmed. And she said, come on, you get, she left and said, everybody in town, come on, you got to see this guy. This, this is the one. Mm -mm. Wow. Praise God. That is the gift of the word of knowledge. It's supernatural knowledge that God gives to you facts, information, about something that's past or present, and you can share that, have an understanding of that, and uh, it's a breakthrough gift. Praise God. Very quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're moving fast today. Fast today. Praise God. We're skimming over these beautiful gems. Praise the Lord. Now, to another, faith by the same Spirit. Today I want to talk about the gift of faith. Praise God. What is the gift of faith? Well, it's not ordinary faith. Now, let me finally get back over to Romans chapter 12. Let's go over there just for a moment. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. The Apostle Paul said, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. In the context of what he is saying, each one is in reference to the believers. So each believer has a measure of faith. But my friends, this is normal faith. This is, this is faith where you say, I'm born again. I have saving faith. This is faith where you say, I've read the Bible and I read about uh, Jonah being swallowed by a great fish and I believe it and I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Uh, her name was Mary. I believe all of it. I believe all of it. Praise God. But that, my friends, is the regular uh, measure of faith that we all have. And of course, you can develop and build up your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But again, that is strong measure of faith. Praise God. But special faith is different. It is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you with a supernatural empowerment to receive a miracle. Now, what's very interesting about the gift of special faith is that it's passive. Now, it's, it contrasts with the gift of working of miracles. Working of miracles is not passive. Working of miracles is the suspension of natural laws where God works a miracle, but guess what? 
He needs your participation. So it is the working of a miracle. So there is your involvement. That's why you need to exercise faith. You step into faith. And most often, again, just like grabbing the barbell, multiple fingers reach to grab it. So often when you get into the working of miracles, right along with it, special faith is functioning as well. It has now come on the scene as well. And you step forward and you, you work a miracle. Now God does the miracle, but he's going to work through you. He needs your cooperation. So special faith though, is receiving a miracle from God. Praise the Lord. It can be a process. It can be where this gift is resting upon you, maybe for 10 minutes, maybe for 24 hours, maybe for 36 hours. It's a very unusual gift, but it is a gift to believe God without any strain to receive a miracle. And my friends, when this gift is in manifestation and God is doing the miracle, others around you may be bewildered. They may be under stress. They may be thinking, Oh, we'll never get out. But you can have that gift on you and you are so calm and peaceful and you're not at all troubled about what's going on. Why? The gift of faith is resting on you to receive a miracle, perhaps a miracle of provision, perhaps a miracle of protection, various miracles. But that gift comes and suddenly you're just so solid. Praise God. You know that even if there's a famine, you're going to be just fine. And just like the prophet Elijah hiding down uh, by the uh, brook uh, and there's famine and there's uh, no food, but he's down there and God commands the ravens to feed him in the morning and in the evening. So he has clean water. He has food coming in every day, meat and bread. He's blessed by the Lord and he's not worried about all of the bounty hunters that are out there looking for him. The gift of faith is resting on him. Praise God. You know, I have a book at home of a Chinese missionary. Uh, she was a, a European woman and she went to China in the early 1900s as a missionary and was there when the Boxer Rebellion uh, was going on in various parts of China. So there was a lot of uh, volatility. There was a lot of lawlessness and breakdown in uh, leadership. So a lot of thugs, robbers, bandits, cutthroats, murderers, and all of that. And so God protected her and protected her. She walked in the truth of God's word and she had tremendous uh, faith, not, not only with that faith, but special faith would come, come on her. And she was like bulletproof. She was like invincible. And one morning she woke up and when she woke up, the Lord said, all of your development of your faith and all that you've learned is now going to be tested in a way that you've never experienced before. And she was on a boat going to a missions conference and the boat got hijacked by thugs and murderers. They took over the ship. These were all men that were uh, cutthroats, scoundrels, uh, to be honest, rapists. They were bad. And they got this whole boat under lockdown. These men had guns. They had knives. They had no respect for humanity. And they're, and they're all opiate uh, addicts. So here she is as a single woman, a holy woman, 
on the boat with these people. And she was on the boat with them as a hostage for, I think if I'm correct, 28 days and not one hair on her head was harmed. The presence of God was on her, but the gift of faith was on her so strong that nobody could touch her. Nobody could do her any harm. Wow. And in, and in the midst of the, of the, um, of the hostage situation, she also had incredible peace. She had incredible peace. Praise God forever. This is why we see these beautiful stories like Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter six of Daniel being in the lion's den and he actually goes to sleep. They put him into a lion's den and he's not going, Ooh, this is it. Oh, oh, he's not crying out to his wife. Uh, uh, I got the wheel all set up. Uh, don't worry about anything. Kiss the kids. Goodbye. Oh, oh, no, none of that. Just being put down into that pit, calm, cool, and collected. Not bargaining with the king. Oh, king, please, is there any way we can, you can get me out of this? Oh, this is what I've always hated. I've had nightmares about this. Ooh. No, none of that. Gift of faith all over him. They put him down in the lion's den. And he just goes to sleep, leaning up against a big old lion. And see, there's not another manifestation going on. There's not working of miracles, which is what Samson had. And that didn't come on Daniel. He didn't take those lions and rip them to pieces and throw them up against the wall and jump up out of there like Superman said, I'm going to get, I'll tell you what, I'm going to rip these people apart that did this to me. No, there was no manifestation of the working of miracles like what took place in the life of Samson. But what was in manifestation was special faith. And he was down there cool, calm, and collected in the middle of a crazy situation like that. Oh, it is a very, very powerful gift. Again, these are the power gifts. Praise God. Mm -mm. You know the rest of the story. He got out of there the next day, and all of his uh, accusers were thrown down in there, and the lions overpowered them before they ever hit the ground, broke them to pieces, tore them up, ate them. Wow. Praise God. Look again in the life of Jesus. Mark chapter 4. My friends, I really do believe that this gift of special faith is going to be a manifestation that you are acquainted with. Mm -mm. Mark chapter 4 and verse 36. Well, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep, on a pillow. <laughs> oh, Pastor Stephen, what's wrong with Jesus? Did he have too much to drink? No, of course not. Pastor, what's wrong with Jesus? Is he depressed? Is he putting his head underneath the pillow because of something bad? The Religious leaders said about him, no, no, he's not in trouble at all. Actually, he's back there asleep. <laughs> you mean the boat? They're all about to die, and he's back there asleep? Yeah. What's going on? Gift of faith all over him. Total peace, total, total calm, relaxed, asleep. Mm -mm -mm. Incredible. See, th this stuff, normal people can't understand this type of stuff. They can't understand, well, how come you're not spazzing out? 
How come you're not in full-blown freak-out mode? How, how, uh, you know what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Everything's just right. Praise God. You're operating in the gift of faith. Praise the Lord. By the way, this is why some can stand before a tornado and rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And the thing has to turn. The thing has to leave or go another direction or dissolve or collapse within itself. Whatever the case might be. The gift of faith is the ability to receive a miracle. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Teacher. They awoke, they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? Do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? No faith. He was in a place where the gift of faith was operating upon his life. Acts chapter 12, we see another very beautiful example of this. Acts chapter 12, verse, verse 4. So when he had arrested him, he put him, that would be Peter, in prison, and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison. A constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, most likely to kill him, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now we know there's going to be miraculous escape through the angel coming to cause the chains to fall off of him, doors to open, and uh, eyes to not see him walk out. But my friends, he's asleep. How in the world could a person sleep knowing that the next morning by 10 o'clock your head's going to be off? How could, what's going on here? Special faith resting on him, holding him together in a calm, steady, collective trust in God. And he's not moved one bit. Not only that, Jesus had already prophesied to him previously on, during, uh, while he was on the earth before he went back to heaven. Jesus said, uh, when you're old, they're going to take you and stretch out your hands and basically prophesied about his future death. So I'm sure Peter thought, well, I don't know what Herod thinks is going to happen to me. He probably thinks he's going to kill me tomorrow, but that can't happen because Jesus said, I'm not going to die until I'm old and I'm not old right now. And just special faith was over him. And he just went to sleep when it was time to go to bed. Mm -mm. No quiet, no crying or whimpering, no uh, trying to strike up a deal with the guards like, look, look in there anyway, we can talk this over. And if you could put a special word into Herod for me, oh, 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 none of that. Just go to sleep. Go to sleep. Next day, he's free. And the heads of the guards are rolling. Because they were all, all the guards were executed the next day because none of them could explain how Peter got out. So that was like a self-incriminating type thing. And yeah, they all got killed. And Peter didn't lose any sleep over it. Praise God. You know, one time my wife and I were in Jerusalem and we had a, a, some free time. We had, we had, the, had a, like a half a day free time. And we were just kind of hanging out and uh, wasn't quite sure what we we're going to do. We left the hotel. We're walking around having a nice time. And happened to strike up a conversation with the taxi driver. And uh, he had a real nice car. And uh, we, we were talking. He had dual citizenship, uh, you know, Israeli-Palestinian. And he said, have you, ever been, have you ever been to Bethlehem? 
We said, no, but we've always wanted to go. He said, well, I'm, I'm open for the rest of the day. He said, if you like, I'll take you on a private tour, take you down there and bring you back. And uh, we, we said, let's do it. And he and I, excuse me, uh, my wife and I both felt such a supernatural faith come over us of peace and such an absolute knowing that we are in the perfect center of God that we started the journey, got rolling on the journey, driving down south towards Bethlehem, and realized I didn't have my passport. Kelly had hers. Uh, and you always want to take it with you because you never know what's going to happen. But that day I didn't have it. It was back at the hotel in the safe. And uh, I, I realized I don't have my passport. But I still felt such incredible faith that God was in this journey. We're not turning back or stopping. We're going. We're going to Bethlehem. And the, the driver said, you know what? I think you're going to be okay. He said, I'll just speak to the uh, guards there at the border, and uh, you'll be okay. I said, I'll be okay. And we got, uh, while we were driving, he said, uh, by the way, um, would you mind if I stop and pick my wife up from work? She and I are Muslims, but all of her life she's wanted to see the birthplace of the man that you believe is the Messiah. We said, well, absolutely, stop and, and grab her. So he, he got her on the phone and said, I'm coming by to pick you up. And, uh, you know, she's a full-grown woman. He, they, they both are. And so close to Bethlehem, but she had never been. And so he picks her up, my wife and I, we're in the back seat, and so she gets in the front seat with him, her husband. She got in the front seat and turned around and looked at us. Now, she's got the full Muslim garb on. We can see her eyes and her face. That's it. She turned around. And she said, all of my life, I wanted to go to Bethlehem to see the birthplace of the Christ. I said, well, we're going. And we're going right now. And we hit it there. And we got to the border. And when you get to the border, you have to present your passport. They, they all present their passports. Kelly presents hers. And they look at me and they say, where's, where's his? <laughs> and I don't have it. And um, the, the man talked with the border guards who were Israeli guards. And uh, they said, hey, look, we're just going, going in to see the, you know, the manger site. And then we're coming back. And some conversations were done. And it was agreed. Boom. And I'm through. And we're in there. We're in Palestinian territory, and I'm there with no passport. And, uh, of course, you know, the man, the guard, uh, there was a team of them. He said, now, uh, I'll be here when you get back. And, well, we went, we went to Bethlehem, saw it all, enjoyed it all, saw the area, uh, the manger area, which is a cave-type uh, situation. Saw all that, had a tremendous time, rejoiced, praised the Lord, and began to leave. And, you know, we were leaving uh, you know, technically, what is a Palestinian territory, uh, which technically, if we're going to be biblical, it's the area of Judea, Samaria. That's, those are the biblical terms, okay? So this is, the, this is the Israeli territory. But now, but it's recognized as Palestinian land. So anyhow, coming back, we get to the border, and we're there. And so um, passports are being checked again. And they're like, where's his? Uh, and by the way, that guard's not there. They said, well, where's his? And they, and it, they were told that, well, uh, he never had one. <laughs> what do you mean he never <laughs> he never had one, you know? And, um, well, anyhow, they went and they finally found, it didn't take very long. And I, the whole time I'm in total peace. I'm in just like, 
I mean, I could have sat back and eaten pizza and drink a Coca-Cola. I was just so relaxed. And Kelly was too, just so calm. Well, the security guard had wandered over to another booth and he was watching TV or something like that. The one that let us in. But oh yeah, yeah everything's good. Comes back, everything's good. And whoop, we're back out, back on the other side. Everything good to go. And before Kelly and I got out of the car, we prayed with them, the husband and wife, and led both of them to faith in Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And that is the gift of faith operating. Remember, when you're in the area of faith, special faith, and working of miracles, it is a suspension. It is a su suspension even of natural laws. But let us also recognize that God is the one who created natural laws, such as gravity and all these other laws. And so they're good. But there can be a suspension temporarily of them. When you read the story about the parting of the Red Sea, and Moses, you know, stretches out the rod, and then they go through. Of course, if you go to that part of the world today, you'll notice that the waters have come back together. <laughs> That's because uh, it, this was not something that was permanent. It was temporary. So these anointings can come. These manifestations can come, but you flow with them, because eventually that anointing will lift. Now, the thing about special faith is that it can rest. You know, it rested on me for like two hours the whole time. I mean, it was like, I was like wearing a garment. I knew I'm in tremendous faith. I'm right in the center of God's will. And what happened? Everything worked perfect. Everything worked beautiful. And people got saved in the process. Praise God. But normally, here's my passport. Stamp. Good. You're good to go. Okay. That's 99.99% of the way I operate. Because <laughs> I always work with the laws, praise God, which is what we should, the principles that God has established. But again, miracles, there can be miracles of favor that override systems, um, uh, red tape, things like that, where God does a miracle and you go right through. Woo, praise God. And we certainly uh, cooperate with the Holy Spirit. But then again, uh, what I'm trying to say is that special faith is the receiving of a miracle. It is a supernatural receiving of a miracle. I remember one morning I woke up uh, some years back, and this was over 10 years ago. And uh, I had a talk that morning with my wife, and she said, she said, Stephen, you know, we should we should own like a piece of property uh, for ourselves that we could buy and maybe one, one day build a home on or something. I said, you know, you're right. And it was a few minutes after that, the gift of faith just came on me. And I said, today, and I remember I'm saying this in faith under the anointing. I said, today, I'm buying some land. And uh, I only had a little bit of money, not enough to buy any kind of land that would have any kind of a value or anything like that. But I got my car and I drove for about maybe about 45 minutes. And uh, I came across a for sale sign at a property on the golf course here in the county. And I could like see it and I could realize Nobody has realized the potential of this property. It was covered with trees and had a lot of vines that were grown over it. So nobody had bought it, and it was very pricey. But I said, I'm going to buy that property, and I'm going to buy it. Watch this. I said, I'm going to buy it right now. I'm going to buy it right now. And I called the realtor, That was because there was a sign there with the realtor's phone number, and I called it. And said, yes, I would like to buy that property. He said, well, this is the, you know, the seller wants this much. I said, Okay. I said, I'll meet him at that price, but I want owner financing. Here's my terms. And I just laid out terms right over the phone. And the realtor said, well, uh, 
I don't think he's going to accept that. I, I don't think this is going to work. I said, just present it to him. Just present it to him. These are my terms. And let him know I want to buy it. And, well, he, call, he got off the phone, obviously called the guy. And then, and then the realtor calls me back and says, well, well, Mr. Brooks, wow. He said, he said I'm tr still trying to pull myself together. He said, the seller said he'll accept your terms. <laughs> Woo! And I bought it. I bought it. He, he worked with me. I presented a down payment because I didn't have all the money. Presented the down payment. And I, I said, I'll get it paid off without, within this time frame. And drew up a contract. Boom, I bought it. Paid it off early. Paid the whole thing off early. Glory, glory to God. And then sold it later. We thought we were going to build there. We didn't, but sold it later for a profit. May the Lord Jesus be praised. Praise God. What was that? Special faith. Special faith to receive a miracle. Now, in, in that process, there was also, I believe, the working of a miracle that was involved where something happened that normally wouldn't happen, that if you normally call somebody up, they're going to say, hey, no, 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 we don't deal that way. But when your faith is there with special faith, oh, it is so powerful. Praise God. It is so powerful. It is supernatural. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Lift your hands. I want to pray that this gift will be known in your life, will be experienced in your life. And this is a gift that brings you into the realm of the power gifts, working of miracles, and also gifts of healings. Gifts of healings, by the way, is plural because I believe really that just as many diseases and sicknesses that are out there, there are just as many expressions of healings for those various infirmities. So there are gifts, it's plural, gifts of healings. In that area, in my ministry, I have a very strong gifting in the area of backs. It doesn't matter if it's scoliosis. It doesn't matter if there's a car wreck and there's disc blown out. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, there's something about backs where that anointing of the Spirit of God comes on me for, he for healings with backs that the success rate of prayer in that area is very, very high. Praise God. Which is why I have many people stop me, whether I'm going into a hotel or going uh, maybe a certain place because they know that's a gift. That God has given me. And they, they, they say, Pastor Stephen, please pray for my back. I know you have a special grace in that area. Praise God. I do because Jesus gave it to me. He actually told me he did. <laughs> One time in a visitation, when I saw him in a vision, praise God. And he shared that with me. But my friends, special faith takes you into this realm where when others can't believe. I've had, by the way, my wife and I have had other properties that we've also purchased with the gift of faith that has come on us. And the whole time the realtor's nervous. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just cool and calm. Kelly is just as cool and calm. Why? We're operating special faith. And the whole thing goes through like so smooth and beautiful. The purchase is done. The closing is finalized. And everything was beautiful. Everything was happy. And then the realtor is like, I can't believe that worked. I'm thinking, you didn't need to believe it. The gift was for me. Wow. Praise the Lord. I'm just receiving. Praise God. It, it is absolutely Supernatural. Wow. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. One story. One story quick. I know I told you to put your hands up so I could pray for you. One quick story. Praise the Lord. By the way, the, the church 
of the Lord Jesus, many of his people around the world, we, we do owe an appreciation when we get to heaven to thank a very godly man. His name was Howard Carter. Howard Carter instructed Lester Summerall. Lester Summerall met Smith Wigglesworth and the rich Pentecostal legacy that even continues today through great men such as Rod Parsley and many others. We can trace back to the life of Howard Carter as being a man that God used to bring revelation to the body of Christ about what these nine gifts are and what they actually do. And it was Howard Carter that was one of the first, if not the first, in our time type era that really began to teach that these gifts have been mistaught. They are all supernatural. Now the early church knew that. Those in the first, second, third centuries, they understood that, but a lot of this truth had gotten lost over the centuries, but it was Howard Carter that said all nine are supernatural in nature. And then the Holy Spirit began to teach Howard Carter what these gifts were and how they operate. Praise God. Here's a good example. At one time, Howard Carter made arrangements to purchase by faith a church for a local congregation in London, England. He was given 60 days to pay the note. At the time, he was president of Hampstead Bible School. As the days and weeks went by and no money came in, the faculty and students became very concerned. They were so nervous, in fact, that the last day or two they found it difficult to eat. Everyone, that is, except Howard Carter. His appetite was as good as usual. The night before the day of the closing on the property, there were still no funds, but Reverend Carter was a man of faith. He said very simply, God has assured me that I will have the full payment on schedule. I don't have the money now, but I don't need it until tomorrow. The last mail delivery in London was 9 p.m. As Reverend Carter picked up the mail from the box, he found a large brown envelope as he himself told Lester Sumrall, he said, I picked up the envelope and laid it on the mantel with the other mail. I was going to leave it there until the next morning. Usually when I get a large brown package like that, it is a load of clippings. Now, I'm not sure what he meant by clippings because this was early 1900s. Maybe it was uh, news clippings or something like that. Usually when I get a large brown package like that, it is a load of clippings that someone has sent for me to read. But the Lord spoke to his heart and said, open it tonight. He argued for a while, but finally surrendered to that, surrendered to that urging within his spirit. When he tore open the package, he found a bundle of new pound notes from the bank, exactly the amount he needed to purchase the church. There was no name or return address on the envelope. The gift was anonymous. God often provides for his servants that way. Now, Dr. Lester Summerall, who wrote this book, The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit, went on to say that anyone else would have jumped up and down, shouted with excitement, and run upstairs to tell everybody what had happened. Not Reverend Carter. He very calmly placed the envelope on the shelf where it had been and went to bed. The next morning at breakfast, he told the students and faculty about their blessing. Then he passed around the brown envelope for all to see. While everybody went wild with joy and excitement, 
Reverend Carter hardly wrinkled his face. He said, I knew it two months ago, and I was sure of it two months ago. I told the Lord I wasn't nervous about when he would send it. I didn't need it until 11 a.m. this morning. So any time before that would be fine. Praise God. So he had a very good understanding of the gifts of the Spirit. He operated often consistently in the gift of special faith. Praise God. It is the supernatural empowerment to receive a miracle from God. Now, it is time for me to pray. Again, please lift your hands. Heavenly Father, we are told to the desire with a great passion, the spiritual gifts. And I pray today that there would be a stirring in the hearts of your people. You see their hands lifted up. And I pray, Father, that the gift of faith, of special faith, would begin to come alive in the lives of those that are watching today. That there would be an activation now in their lives, and that they would sense when this gift begins to operate, when this anointing comes upon them, and they will reside and enjoy that anointing, just like Daniel leaned back on the lion and thought, wow, I might as well enjoy it while I'm here, and he went to sleep. Father, I thank you that there will be supernatural protection, and even in the middle of, if it's chaos, they will be protected and be just fine. Father, I thank you even in the midst of what would be uh, economic distress, they will, they will sense special faith on them. They'll never miss a meal unless they want to fast, but it'll never be a forced fast because they will always have provision and everything will be fine. I thank you for special faith, O oh God, and I thank you for miracles received and Jesus being glorified. Now we thank you, Father, for this gift. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and his ministry in our life. We thank you for the nine gifts and let them all come forth in beautiful expressions as your Holy Spirit leads and wills. We give you praise. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name and around the world. We Truly say, Amen. Praise God. Now, if you're watching today's program, but you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you're intrigued by these things that we as Christians enjoy, and you would like to experience it, it my friend, it all begins with salvation. It all begins with having Christ come into your heart. Now, if you've never asked Him into your life, you need to do so right now. Just say this. Pray this out loud. Say, Jesus... I repent of all of my sins. Come into my heart. Wash my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. Jesus, I give you my life. Step into my life today and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Wow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory. May I be the first to say, welcome to the family of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The angels are rejoicing because you have given your heart to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Now, my friends, before we conclude today, let us take holy communion together today that all of these things that we have studied, they may be sealed deep within our hearts. Amen. 
Praise God. I know we went very quickly in many ways, skimming over the surface of these beautiful gems, not really having the time to do a deep dig, but nevertheless, I do believe it will be beneficial to you, and you will see the gifts become stronger in your life. So I want to ask you at this time, grab some unleavened bread, grab some grape juice. Let's take communion together. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We set this apart as being holy. We consecrate this now as the flesh and blood of Jesus, and we thank you that we receive it as such. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you for miracles and signs and wonders. We thank you that Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. We thank you that we are believers. Thank you, Father God, for all of the gifts of the Spirit. And we thank you for the ones that you divide individually to us. And also corporately that would manifest when we're together. We thank you, O oh God. We give you praise. And we now receive the flesh of Jesus in his name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. It's mighty cleansing power. We thank you that as we receive the blood, no evil stronghold can remain in our life. No curse can work against us. We thank you for protection and immunity also from all the evil and wickedness from the world. We thank you, O oh God, for health, strength, strong minds, financial blessing. Thank you, Father God, for righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that as we receive the blood, what's not in Christ is not permitted to stay in us either. We thank you for purity, and we give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's precious blood. Praise God. Lift your hands and thank the Lord Jesus Christ for giving you spiritual gifts. Jesus, we praise you and thank you. Come along with me right now. Let's thank him. Jesus, we thank you for the spiritual gifts. And we thank you for them becoming stronger in our lives. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. I believe for many of you there's been activation. Amen. When God gives you opportunity to exercise the gift, Step into that. Also, with special faith, when it comes on you, receive the miracle that God is delivering to you. Praise the Lord. Thank you for watching. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, have a great week. Bye-bye.